For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. McCaffrey will end the beat. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's show, a look back at the Panthers' 31-21 defeat of the Arizona Cardinals at home and a preview of the divisional matchup against the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday. Here's your opening drive. And welcome to another edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague. He is a uh, veteran of the NFL, the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers, first round in 1995, two-time Super Bowl winner, Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty? Hey, Desmond, how you doing, man? It's always good to talk Carolina football, keep pounding with the Carolina Panther hopefuls believe in Panther football. And the Panther fan base has a lot to believe in uh, this week as the Panthers win their second straight under first-year head coach Matt Rule, a 31-21 victory over the Arizona Cardinals at home, uh, the first home game that the Panthers have had where they've had actual live fans in attendance. And I think it made a huge difference uh, in the play of the players and just the, the enthusiasm and everything around them. But we'll 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 take a look back at the Panthers-Cardinals matchup, and we'll get you ready for Panthers taking on a division rival, the Atlanta Falcons, Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff here on Fox. Um, but first, I do, do need to mention our sponsors over at Bet Online. Um, Tyrone, the wait is finally over. Football is back. Mm-hmm. We're four weeks in. Well, really, five mm-hmm. weeks in now. Um, you may not yes. be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Um, as I mentioned before, it's a little bit of a different feeling. Some fans are kind of coming back into the stands around the country. Um, and with NFL in full swing, you got an opportunity to, you know, lay some money down for some of these upcoming games from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to mm-hmm. betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Carolina Panthers, as I mentioned before, defeated the Arizona Cardinals 31-21 to uh, this past Sunday at Bank of America Stadium. And at, like we always do during the season, uh, me and Tyrone like to go through things we notice during the game, things you may not have uh picked up on or some things that really stood out uh, from both teams that we watched over the course of that Sunday outing. Um, I'll, I'll start off the, for me, okay. it's steady Teddy. you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm think I'm, I'm musing over the idea of starting a steady Teddy watch where just each week <laughs> I get a chance to kind of rave over what this guy is doing as mm-hmm. a, as a 25 year Carolina Panther fan. Like I've been there from day one Clemson, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen all these quarterbacks come through here from, uh, you know, Chris Winkie or, or Steve Berline, friend of the program who's been on with us before, Kerry Collins, uh, Jake DeLome, Jimmy Clausen year, and then, and, then, and then, of course, Cam Newton. I don't remember a Panther quarterback being this accurate. And that's a, that's a tall thing to say for a franchise that's 25 years old. Uh, we've mentioned before, I think Steve Berline's the one – that would be closest to it. He's the franchise leader in completion mm-hmm. percentage. And even that's like, I think it's 64, 65% last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy is killing it right now in the pass completion game. And it's weird to see a Carolina Panther quarterback doing this. He's he's sixth in the league in passing yards. He's got 1,147 yards through four games. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on pace to throw 
almost about 4,500 yards, which is unheard of in a Panthers outfit. Uh, he's third in the league in completion percentage, Tyrone. He's thrown at a 73% completion clip right mm-hmm. now. And he's 10th mm-hmm. in the he's 10th in the league in yards per attempt, uh, 8.1 yards uh, mm-hmm. per attempt. As a former cornerback, exp- mm. tell me how big that is. Th- those passing numbers, uh, especially with our number one offensive weapon Christian McCaffrey being out, has has Bridgewater impressed you? Watching it, as I know you're probably watching it from a defensive mindset, just kind of watching him go through his progressions and finding guys. And more often than not, he, I mean, he's. He's squeezing stuff into tight windows. He knows yeah. where the receivers are going to be. It just looks like timing-wise, everything is clicking on all cylinders. And first week, second week, I think we were kind of inclined yeah. to be like, you know, ah, well, it's the first couple of weeks. You know, maybe this was just a fluke. But, I mean, we're we're four weeks in this now. Like, this has been going on every single week. <laughs> the Panthers have gone out there. And this isn't a fluke, man. Teddy Bridgewater's for real. No, you, it basically just goes back to Joe Brady goes back to Matt Rule, goes back to the system. It goes back to bringing in the people that understand the system. So that's the most important thing that I look at. Uh, how is the communication uh, being sent from the sideline to the field, doing practice, doing the game? And that is what I see. Uh, it's not just one individual. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater is having great percentages, but I'm pretty sure if you ask him, he's going to say what I'm saying. It's the coaching staff. It's him. It's everybody believing in what is going on and finding the opening in the defense as far as what the offense requires them to do. So it makes it easier for easier for Teddy to be able to have that high completion when he knows what's going on. So that's why they brought him in here and he's beginning to show it. So I uh, can't wait to see what the rest of the season looks like. You know, it's, it's, I, I've become a lot more, uh, I think in the beginning, because I was a huge Cam Newton fan, and there was still a pocket of us that was kind of skeptical at them bringing in Teddy Bridgewater with us not knowing if Cam was healthy. And then you see Cam have the start he has uh, in New England. Uh, but again, that goes to what you're saying. System, the guys around you. You know, Cam was probably going to succeed in that situation with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels there kind of, you know, keeping him, you know, within their offense, not giving him too much, everything like that. So he's he maybe he's looked better with the Patriots than many people thought he would. Having said that, to your point, Teddy Bridgewater was the perfect person to run this offense because he knows this offense. There's not like a really like a ramp up. It doesn't seem like of learning where he should have went or this way. I can't even think of a situation so far where uh, maybe some of the interceptions. He had an interception Sunday that Patrick Peterson picked off from him. And even that, Peterson was playing safety and was like, he didn't even see him like behind the, the receiver and the cornerback and Peterson just kind of stepped into the ball. And I mean, it was one of those things where he just didn't see the guy there. He wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, and he was, and Patrick Peterson's a, you know, a, a top end cornerback and has been for going on a decade in the NFL. So there's really not a whole lot of shame in that. It didn't cost him the game or anything, but for the most part, when Teddy throws the ball, I'm not worried about where it's going. If anything, I'm starting to expect it to hit a, a receiver right in the numbers. Like, and that's, Again, for me, that is crazy talk <laughs> for a Panther quarterback to be this accurate. And I can't wait for McCaffrey to come back and to add him to this passing game where many people consider him a slot receiver in terms of how well he runs routes and uh, just what do you do with him. You add him back to this mix that they're kind of building without him. It's almost been a blessing in disguise that they haven't had him the, first, I mean, the last couple of weeks because they've been able to really spread the ball out more. And, and, and get more guys involved in the game. So for me, Teddy was the first thing that kind of stood out uh, for me watching that game. What was one of the things that uh, that stood out for you watching Panthers-Cardinals from last week, the 31-21 victory uh, by the Panthers? Well, I'm going to elaborate on a few things here. Um, first and foremost, this is what we call as a player, we call this a team win. It's a team victory. Uh, everybody did their job. Everybody did their job from the wide receivers to the offensive line, keeping Teddy clean, uh, saw that, and that allowed him to have those high percentage throws and completions. So from the offensive line to the wide receivers, Teddy was able to hit pretty much everybody. Uh, The main big 
Three Dogs. You got DJ Moore, uh, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. You know, those guys going to get their catches. And even uh, Steph uh, Roberts uh, got a catch. So, again, when you can keep your quarterback clean, the offensive line blocking, building a pocket around him, that's what they did with Teddy. Now he's able to find those guys. And then, again, I talked about Joe Brady. Uh, Joe Brady calling a great game. So when you got an offensive coordinator that sits up there and he's calling, that thing is like dominoes, man. It's like a domino effect. Every call he makes, every situation he's the, the offensive coordinators put in, Joe Brady did excellent. Again, from the sideline to the field, you got your captain out there, Teddy Bridgewater. He actually throwing the ball where it's supposed to be. Now, the other thing I like was the fact that they started fast. They started fast. The Panthers offense got out there and they put 14 points up on the board in the first quarter. So anytime you can do that, that puts pressure on your opposition. And sometimes it may take them out of their traditional game plan that they came in with. So, again, those are the two things, uh, one thing, so to speak, mentioning two or three things but the team win that's this is what i call a team win even without christian mccaffrey now again the key gonna be christian coming back i know he wants to get his catches he want to get his touches but if you look at what mike davis is doing and even uh my guy reggie uh, uh bonafold came mm-hmm. into the game and he had some rushes and uh, again the offensive line allowing mike davis to run pretty much 5.2 yards a carry and and and, and Reggie the same thing 5.3 he had 10 on 10 carries for 53 yards so when Christian McCaffrey comes back I hope that he's able to see what the team is doing and the offensive coordinator Joe Brady just continued to spread it around and that's how you win championships you can't win championships with one guy dominating but it's great to have a lot of guys on your team that have talent so when Christian comes back plug him in now you got him you got uh, Mike Davis and you got Bonafide you got Teddy Bridgewater you got the offensive line blocking you got Curtis Samuel DJ Moore Robbie Anderson I'm I'm telling you this offense can be good so got to keep it team oriented and keep that train as the old coach from the Kansas City Chiefs, Hank Schramm, would say, got to keep it trickling, keep it trickling. Yeah, so, trickling down the field, boys. That, that's <laughs> it, man. So let's keep this thing going. Let's continue to learn. And I said this earlier when we first started broadcasting. I said it's going to be around the fourth game because really there was no preseason. So around the fourth game, this is like the fourth preseason game. So now we're going to begin to see a little bit of uh, football being played, and we're going to see guys really and teams really start to play to their potential. Yeah, I would agree with that. It felt like week one and week two were kind of like a mini preseason for the Panthers. And I remember uh, head coach Matt Rule saying after week one, uh, that first game that they played, that there was maybe 10 or 15 snaps early in the first half where the defense wasn't receiving communication from the sideline. There was mix-ups, so they were just not in the right places. Stuff that you would expect, you know, week one of a preseason or week two of a preseason. This happened week one of the regular season for the, the Panthers. Uh, and even in that game, they were, you know, close. They, they haven't been blown out or anything like that. Uh, and when you consider, you know, as a first-year NFL head coach, first-year NFL offensive coordinator, first-year defensive coordinator – brand new quarterback you lost the greatest defensive player in franchise history and Luke Keekley to retirement I mean you've you've had all these things that have happened in the offseason that you didn't even get a chance to meet your players in person until about 20 30 days before the start of the season so for them to be two and two at this point as a Panther fan I'm ecstatic I, I I'm I didn't expect to be at this point of uh curiosity with the Carolina Panthers in 2020 uh, the one other thing I've noticed the past two weeks in particular, but especially last week, the defense is starting to step up. We, we, Me and you both have talked about how the defense had to do some things to kind of tighten some things up um, from what we had seen, and they're starting to do that, Tyrone. Uh, right now, the defense is ninth overall versus the pass in the league. They've only allowed 908 yards through four games total. Uh, they're 22nd against the run. You know me, I've complained about them trying to stop the run for pretty much every episode we've had since the regular season started. But over the past two weeks, they're slowly starting to get some pieces back. Kawan Short was back last week, which was a huge help. Beside Derek Brown, our first-round uh, draft pick, that defensive tackle who's turning into a terror. He's got five uh, tackles for loss in the past like three weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so he's starting to come on. Uh, they're Now, they've allowed... 
501 yards rushing through four games. Uh, but the number that stands out to me, they're at, they're allowing about 5.1 yards per rushing attempt. So every time somebody runs the ball against the Panthers so far, they're halfway to a first down. That's got to stop. Like that needs to be around maybe about three three yards per carry uh, for me to feel a little bit better about the the defensive front for the Panthers. But I see progression. That's the main thing I wanted to see from this team. They're getting better, and you don't get to say that a lot about a lot of football teams. I mean. Hell, the team we're playing this Sunday, I can't say that they're getting better. If anything, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> and there's, a, there's other teams out there like the Cowboys and some others that you watch them play and you're just like, yeah, they, stat, they stuff the numbers in terms of stats or whatever, but are they getting better? And I think the Panthers are one of the few teams in the league, I'd say Tampa as well, they're getting better each week. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens going forward because I don't think anybody picked the Panthers to make – any kind of noise in the NFC and they're kind of positioning themselves to do that with the extra playoff spot that's going to be there this year. I don't want to talk playoffs yet regarding the Panthers. It's way too early. A lot of things can happen, but I feel a whole lot better about them than I did maybe say two weeks ago in terms of that conversation. But yeah. uh, on defense, and I wanted to get your opinion on this guy, Dante Jackson, uh, he's turned into a really good cornerback. I know there were some questions about him uh, last year. He was in and out of the lineup. Uh, he's got two interceptions in the past four games, Ty, and uh, he does have a toe injury, so we're not sure as of this recording if he's going to be playing Sunday or not. Uh, but the Panthers are going to need him because the Falcons are ranked very high uh, in passing yards per game. And, of course, Matt Ryan uh, still slinging it around, and he's got two former first-round wide receivers on both sides and Julio Jones, who Panther fans know very well. Um He's embarrassed yeah. more than once. <laughs> and then Calvin Ridley, uh, also from Alabama on the other side, who actually leads the Falcons in yards uh, receiving right now. What what have you seen from Dante Jackson uh, that he's doing right right now? It feels like he's kind of almost uh, not jumped the shark. That's the wrong term I'm trying to use here. It's like the game is getting slower to him. Maybe that's the best way to put it. That's how it looks from the outside in that he's starting to make the right reads. He's starting to get that Josh Norman type of swag that that secondary hasn't had in five years or so. Uh, what have you, what have you noticed if anything from Dante Jackson's play this year? That's uh that's made you smile. I want to go back and, and, and say something else about this offense before I go back and answer that question about Dante Jackson. Um, uh, I just want to say again, uh, if the Panthers, Joe Brady, Matt rule and that offense continues to do this very one thing here, not just, that this is the only thing, but this is myself playing for so many years and having an opportunity to play uh, not only in Carolina and almost get one game from the Super Bowl, but to actually finish the season and win a Super Bowl and also to play again for 12 years starting. What I noticed if an offense, and this is what the Panthers did again against the Cardinals, they were 7 of 11 on third down. Seven of 11 on mm. third down. And anytime you can go seven of 11 on third down and the punter only punts one time in the game, you're going to pretty much, you going to win that game. Uh, and the time of possession, the Panthers kept the ball for 37 minutes. Now, if you can do that right there, you're going to win some football games. So, again, the Panthers, I think they are beginning to find their stride and time of possession third down uh, completions by Teddy Bridgewater, third down percentage on uh, – this is beautiful. It's beautiful. But if they keep those things going, it'll be great. Uh, now, talking about Dante Jackson, uh, he just got to continue to play within his skin and just try to be him. Just be him. Don't try to be like nobody else. Just be yourself. Learn from other people, but be yourself. Do what the defense tell you to do. Allow your skills to play within the defense because defensively – they're playing well. They're, they're, they're tackling. Uh, the, the defense, uh, Phil Snow is mixing up the coverages, and that's always good because you never want uh, offense to know this is what you're going to be in all the time. Now, I love to go back and talk about my past because when we win on defense, that's because we've confused the offense, we've confused the quarterback, we've confused the 
offensive coaching staff because we are mixing it up on defense. Guys are moving around, and I think that's what you're going to begin to see with the Panthers. Defense, yes, they're young. They brought in and spent the whole defensive draft uh, of the draft this year on defense, and you're going to start to see these guys start to get a little bit more slack. You're going to see Field Snow start to give them a little bit more slack. You're going to, you're going to really start to see Panthers fans the abilities that these guys have right now, they're still like on the leash. You don't want to do too much because they're still trying to feel each other out. So that's why I can't wait until around, I say game nine. That's when you really start game nine, 10 is when we would say as players, the pretenders and the contenders, hmm. the contenders around week nine, week 10, game nine, game 10. That's when you start to see everybody separate and those who started out fast who were pretenders they start to fall to the side and they start to go down to the bottom and those contenders like the panthers they right now everybody see them as contenders but i still want to keep the verdict out until week nine and week ten but right now i'm sold i'm sold i'm buying it yeah the the defense like you mentioned they're really starting to to fill themselves a bit where before it was almost like a sieve that was just letting whatever run through the middle. Uh, but now it's really starting to tighten up again, Derek Brown, Kawan short, they have an opportunity to be one of the best defensive tackle tandems in the entire league. If you really look around, uh, there's only a couple of places where you can say, okay, that team's got two guys in the middle that are a problem. And the Panthers are one of those teams, to be honest. Um, now they held Kyler Murray to only 137 yards passing, uh, the Arizona offense to 262 yards total, um, which was fantastic. Murray could never get in a rhythm. He did throw for three touchdowns, but uh, in the end, it didn't really feel like he was a factor in that game. They really did a good job containing him. I think he broke out once for a scramble uh, over you know 10 plus yards, but other than that, they did the defense did exactly what they were supposed to do. And I got to give a shout out to my boy Yator Gross Matos, the second round draft pick out of Penn State, who I've been kind of hoping would develop into a Mike Rucker type of defensive end uh, guy that we didn't draft in the first round, but we've built up. Uh, he's kind of built like Mike Rucker uh, when you when you look at his stats in terms of his physical frame. Uh, he got his first career sack uh, Sunday and it forced a fumble on top of it. Um, he's starting to find his way. So we got a lot of things going on all across the team, whether it's Teddy or uh, some of the rookies playing on defense like Derek Brown and Gross Matos. Dante Jackson's turning into a leader back in the secondary. Uh, I love it. I, I think that it's one of those seasons where the Panthers, for the first time the, well, in a while, the fan base has gone into this season with zero expectations. Like, we're not expecting to to win the NFC South or get in the playoffs or, you know, any of that. We, we're kind of playing with house money this year. It's like, you know, with a global pandemic and new coaching staff, new quarterback, new everything really going on uh, in this weird year, I think some people wanted to to make it a throwaway year, uh, and I've heard I've heard less. Yeah, I and think less. you even I think you even <laughs> mentioned that one time. I think <laughs> earlier on in the year, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking this might be a throwaway yeah. year, but uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> but in the back of my head, I was like, these players aren't going to throw this away. Like it, it always bothers me when I see on like Facebook, I I make the mistake of going into Panther groups and kind of seeing what the fans are talking about. And, yeah, yeah. You become you know, a fan instead of understanding football like you're supposed to. Right, exactly. And mm -hmm. and and what happened, those fans were all for tank for Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback who's probably gonna be the number one draft pick uh here at the end of the season. And I've never thought, never never once have I thought that this Panther team was bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence. Just looking at what they had on offense, uh, what I, what was I saying from the beginning of the year? This team's gonna be in shootouts all year. The defense is really young, so they're gonna have some mistakes. But there's a more than enough talent on offense to average 30-plus points a game. Like, they have more than enough over there. If Teddy does his job, McCaffrey stays healthy, they got the wide receiving core. If the offensive line can protect, they're just going to be in shootouts all year. So seeing what they're doing the past two weeks where the defense is starting to come on and they're not in shootouts, they're getting up on people early, and they're kind of keeping that lead, keeping them at arm's length, that is something I didn't expect to see. I didn't expect to see the defense yeah. come along this quickly. And I don't think anybody did. You know, I, yeah, I miss, you know, go ahead. Yeah, you, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I got to say this before you move on and bring up something else. But uh, this is what the fans need to understand. That's why they call, you know, I love the fans, love them, love them, love them. It's a lot of guys, a lot of uh, ladies out there that understand football. Uh, and, again, I'm just talking from my uh, years and years 
of playing in the NFL. It's not a player that makes you win, people. It's not. It's a system that helps you win. That's why the fans have to be patient when you bring in a new coach. He's bringing in a new system. It's just like being married. You got two people coming together with two different systems and you're trying to get them to play together to understand so that everything is happy and everything is functional. So it's the same thing in football. It's not one player. Trevor Lawrence is not going to help nobody win a Super Bowl. He's not going to win the Super Bowl by itself, but he will help the system. So what Matt Rule is doing is I, I, I like it. The one thing that I'll say, we still got to make sure we don't get too overexcited. And that's the great thing. That's what young people do. Young team does. Mm-hmm. And a, a fan base that really is not used to winning, you get all excited in the beginning. That's why I said wait until week nine, week 10. That's when you're really going to start to see the football teams that are contenders step up. So my word that I would tell everybody, this is how you keep everything on an even key. Okay, you don't get too high, you don't get too low. You're never as good as they say you are, and you're never as bad as they say you are. So if the young fellas, the young team, the young Panthers, they are young, if they can keep that in their mind, don't get too high on the highs and don't get too low on the lows and just go out there and play, I'm telling you. It's like the tortoise in the hair, the mm-hmm. tortoise consistency. You're going to get there. You know, and 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 I and I don't want to make it seem like it's all uh, roses or whatever for the Panthers. There are some, there's still some things they need to work on. For all the glowing things I've said about Teddy Bridgewater, he's only thrown four touchdowns this season in four games to three interceptions. So that that is something that I think Teddy will they'll be able to convert more. They had some issues in the red zone the first three weeks. They worked on that last last week. It felt like they were in the red zone scoring touchdowns like every time they went down there. So <laughs> you know that they're working on that, and they made a point to mention that. After week three, that you know, because they were that was um, who were they playing week three? Uh, the Chargers, where they were going up and down the field at will, like they've done all year, but they couldn't score touchdowns. It was like five field goals that Joey Sly kicked in that game last week. Obviously, they worked on red zone offense and and they capitalized on it and they punched it in uh, multiple times. So it, it feels like a team that's getting molded into the way that Coach Matt Rule wants them to be. So it's kind of cool to watch that happen right in front of us uh, week to week. I will say uh, one more thing about the Panthers' offense last week that was really cool, and you sort of touched down on you touched on this a little bit. They converted 31st downs. That's the third most in franchise history for a football game for the Carolina Panthers uh, against the Cardinals last week. So kudos to you know Joe Brady, Matt Rule, Phil Snow for the game plan they put out last week. But that was last week. So we got to move on to week five. Uh, Panthers versus Falcons, a familiar foe, NFC South, divisional rival. They're limping into this game 0-4, 1 p.m. Fox kickoff. Uh, Panthers on the road at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. I got to ask you the million-dollar question right off the bat, Tyrone. Why is Dan Quinn still hired? Why is he still a uh, head coach <laughs> in Atlanta right now? Because, yes, it's only been four weeks this season, but they've had some things happen to this team where it feels like the coach is losing the locker room. Uh, any comments on Dan Quinn's 0-4 start and how they got there in terms of uh, that wacky Dallas Cowboys game where no one seemed to know on special teams they could jump on the ball, uh, which led to the Cowboys winning, or the week after that where they gave up like a 16-point uh, second-half lead and lost that game. They're the only team, I think, I think maybe ever to lose two double digit leads in the second half back to back weeks. Uh, and it just keeps piling on and piling on for the Falcons. Why is Dan Quinn still employed? Just like this broadcast, what do we call it? Believe. Believe. <laughs> so Arthur Blank, the Who's owner. believing in he's, this man? <laughs> hey, Arthur Blank, the owner. He's the one that pays his salary. Oh so he's gosh. the one who owns the team. So, um, you know, he still believes that there is something there. And evidently, there is something when they sit down. Look, this is the one thing that we don't – I don't understand. I don't see it. You don't see it. The fans don't see it. The Atlanta Falcons fans don't see it. The Panther fans don't see it. When Dan Quinn goes to sit down with Arthur Blank and whoever they sit down with in that room, there's something that's being said that actually still Arthur Blank's okay. Maybe that's what we do 
this week we'll get things turned around. So it has to be extended more than just the players and what's happening on the field because the Falcons have enough talent on the field to win. So it must be one thing or something that is not clicking. Now, again, some of the things you named, again, you know, the Cowboys game, the onside kick. Well, I do know this. I do know this. I do know as players, these coaches do go over things. Mm-hmm. Now, they may only go over it one time, but when you go over it one time, you are still held accountable. And most people I know that are human beings, we will never admit that we did not know what was wrong, what I was supposed to do. It's like we're scared to raise our hand to say, hey, I don't know what does it mean when I do this or do that. So to a point, you can only fault the coach, but then you have to put the onus onto the players because they are supposed to know their job and do their job and do it well. So the coaches can only call in the plays. The players have to execute it, just like we talked about the Arizona and the Panther game. Joe Brady calling in those plays to uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and he carried those plays out, and that's why they had a great day first downs, a great day scoring. Again, somewhere or another between the Falcons, from the sideline to the field to the front office, there's a disconnect somewhere. And, you know, you just got to find that disconnect. You just got to go and search, turn pages, and just continue to to battle. But no one likes to win. I know the Falcons are not looking. They never expected to be 0-4. And And I feel like this game here, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the Panthers. So the Panthers are going to have to come in with their eyes wide open and their antennas up because I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing trickery because I believe that Dan Quinn is feeling the heat. He knows the heat is on him and the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, not so much about the offense because the offense, they're kind of putting up points a little bit. Yeah, they're doing their thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the defense, you know, uh, Morris, you know, is (laughs) – they're feeling pressure. And again, I think when you back someone up against the wall, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And the Falcons, Dan Quinn, they're backed up against the wall. So, you know, the Panthers going to have to come in and not let this be a trap game. I got to just real quick on that Atlanta Dallas onside kick situation. To me, if I know, I'm, and we've mentioned this before, I have not played football. I've played Pop Warner football when I was a kid. I'm 42 years old. I've been around football. I call football. I report on football, but I've not been a football player. If I know the rule, me sitting on my couch, there is no reason whatsoever for not just one player. Like, I get it. If it's one player, two player, somebody near the ball didn't realize they could jump on it. Yeah, I'm going to put that on the player. You should know. That's your job. You're a special teams player. You should know that you can do this. But when it's the whole unit, (laughs) the entire unit is watching this ball roll 10 yards down the field, that's a coaching issue to me. That's – you should have – the coach should have – the special teams coordinator should have alerted everybody on that unit before they walked out on that field, hey, they're going to onside kick it, hop on that ball. You don't have to wait 10 yards for it, fellas. Hop on that ball as soon as it comes towards you or whatever. Don't give the Cowboys a chance to fall on this ball. Apparently that conversation never happened – and not one, not two, not three guys. Well, I wouldn't multiple use the word. Teams, multiple I multiple guys in that unit just watch the ball. I wouldn't use the word never, De- uh, uh, Desmond. You, you can't say never, man. Like I said, again, I played the game. I understand where you're coming from. But guys are told, just like in the NFL, the NFL, guys are told not to go out and get in trouble. Guys are told they have meetings. They have reps that come to each 32 team. And they talk about the detriment and what's out there in that world, how you can get in trouble, and still yet guys go out there and get in trouble. So, again, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not trying to throw weight on you, but I've been in them locker rooms. I know that coaches do talk about it. So, again, I take up for the coaches, and I also put the onus onto the players because there are some players, they would not raise their hand when they have a question. They are talented enough to be out there, but they would not sometimes raise their hands and you can't expect just because somebody plays football that they know what to do. There's a lot of fathers out there, but they don't mean that they're, uh, what shall I say? There are a lot of dads out there, fathers out there, but don't mean that they're dads. So, you know, you can, you know, it, it, that's just how I see it. That's just how I see it. But those are behaviors, like you know those. That's, that's different. Behavior than, in the field, your reaction. But, yeah. but, but, yeah, I, I hear you. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's not as coaches as you think. And and I bring this up in a wider conversation because that's not the first time that Atlanta has had lapses like that. 
like I said before, they've, they've allowed two, two different teams in back-to-back weeks to come back, one down 15, Dallas, and then the next week a team down 16 in the second yeah. half. You know, the, you, you say lapses, doing... but did you bring? But then you talk about a play. Do you say not the lap? Which one? Which one are we talking about? Are we talking about the onside kick, or are we talking about the lapses of team coming back? And again, when team can come back, that 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 could be the defensive lineman didn't get to the quarterback, or maybe he fell down and got blocked, and the defense was set up for that defensive lineman to get the pressure to where the quarterback had to get rid of the ball. And because he didn't, now we're back in. We're expecting the ball to come out quick where the defensive lineman don't get there, the linebacker don't get there. Now we're exposed. So we're thinking we're going to the ball will come out quick. So it's a whole lot of things that go on. But, right. you know, yeah, so. But, yeah. but I mean, down 15-16, you can't come back in one play down 15 16 it was a multiple list of team yeah. of, of plays that ha- or breakdowns that happened so while i agree with you that yeah that defensive lineman might have you know messed up on that play or that secondary guy might have missed an assignment or whatever it might be it happened more than once in multiple weeks <laughs> that's why i'm like why is dan quinn still employed if not dan quinn why is the special teams coordinator or defensive coordinator still hired after this because this goes all the way back to the super bowl versus the the patriots you know, up 28 to three in the third quarter with like five or six minutes to go and letting that fall apart. This is the same coaching staff still there from two years ago. And they have not shown hell last year. They started off what one and seven, if I'm not mistaken. And then they, they turned it around and saved Dan Quinn's job. They went six and two on the back end of that schedule last year when people had kind of just written them off, which they should have, they wrote them off and Atlanta kind of floated on the radar and won some games. But that same coaching staff is there. I think Dan Quinn's job is on the line on Sunday. Like, I really do. Like, yeah, I, think I agree if, with you. I, if, I if, agree if, with if, you if they lose, I think Arthur Blank is going to – because Arthur Blank, the one thing about billionaires, to. they don't like to be laughed at. <laughs> you know, billionaires don't like to be laughed at, and he doesn't want his team to be a laughing stock. Brand-new stadium. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't want the Falcons to be this team where everyone's just, oh, well, they're going to lose this lead again. And that's starting to happen. Like, the 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 – the fans and the league, they're all starting to talk about the Falcons. Like that's the team that, you know, you can come down on. You can be down 16, 17 in Atlanta. They're going to give that up. Mm-hmm. I've seen that joke so many times online. I've seen well, a lot of teams like that. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta's up in the third. I guess they're going to lose this game by five when it's, over. you know, that kind of thing. And it's just like, I do think they'll try to come out swinging, like you said. Uh, but there's some issues that I think the, the Panthers can really take advantage of. 1 p.m. kickoff Sunday on Fox. It's on the road. Uh, in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now, the Falcons are – they do have some issues in their secondary, Ty. They are second to last in the league. They're allowing 341 yards per game in the air. Uh, granted, kind of keep in mind that uh, one of those weeks, Dak Prescott threw for 450-plus yards in that Dallas game, so that's probably skewed those numbers a little bit. But having said that, 341 yards in the air, that's a lot of yards to be given up uh, as a secondary. And with Teddy coming in – Throwing seventy three percent completion rate, all the stuff, he's six in passing yards. It kind of sets up for Carolina to have a really good day in the air uh, against the Falcons, and I expect them to kind of do that. I don't think they're going to do anything different. Uh, Reggie Bonifon, I believe, he, he got put on IR this week with a high ankle sprain, just like McCaffrey. So I think he's out a couple of weeks. But uh, we've both been impressed with Mike Davis, uh, the running back that's filled in for McCaffrey. Runs hard, hits the hole hard, uh, good in the passing game. Uh, and Bridgewater finds him on these checkdowns or whatnot to kind of keep the chains moving. I think he can have a big day, and I really expect the, the wide receivers for the Panthers to really uh, step up. Robbie Anderson has really shown that he can be the number one receiver uh, on this unit. DJ Moore is playing well. They're finding ways to get the ball to Curtis Samuel, whether lining him up as a like a almost like an old school flanker running back type of uh, position in the backfield. He's getting some direct snaps, uh, carries. So they're they're doing well spreading the ball around. I don't think Atlanta is going to be that much of an issue for them to do what we've watched them do the past month, and that's just go up and down the field at will. Like they they haven't really come across a defense yet that's been able to stop what they're trying to do on offense, and I don't think Atlanta can stop it either. Yeah, the I think what I'm going to what I what am I expecting uh, this game with the Panthers, like you alluded to, the receivers. I think this game is going to be the time when we see a lot of big plays. Uh, if Atlanta's secondary continue to play like they're playing. Uh, typically, we've been seeing, like you call it, steady Teddy. We've been seeing those uh, high percentage throws and completion. That's why that completion 
ratio stays at 70 because you're throwing the ball to the person that's open. Well, this game against Atlanta with uh, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, who is the number one receiver right now, as far as in my mind, because of catches. I know DJ Moore uh, was supposed to be the number one draft pick uh, a couple of years ago, but yeah. Robbie Anderson is stepping up and he is the number one receiver. So if I'm turning the film on, you know, I got to try to find out how to stop Robbie Anderson. But when you have DJ Moore and uh, he has ability, Curtis Samuel. I'm expecting and I would like to see the Panthers actually utilize those guys downfield deeper. So now when you put that on film, the next opponent coming up after the Falcons, they see, wow, these guys not only can throw it short, but we have to defend a big play. So when you do that, that just opens up the football field for you tremendously. So if I'm the Falcons, um, I better get that secondary uh, shored up. If I'm the Panthers, Man, throw that ball deep more than you have in previous games. Put it on film. Let all of our opponents coming up, let them know, you know what? Samuels, Moore, Anderson, man, these guys, they are deep threats. And then you can dump it off to Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. You can dump it off to Mike Davis and then pick up 15 whatever yards because the secondary is trying to run with the speed of the receivers downfield. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Panthers getting healthy as far as the big big play game in the passing game. Uh, Vegas expects a high-scoring game. The over-under for this game is 54.5 uh, points. The Falcons are only favored by one uh, at home. Um, I, I don't believe they can have fans in the stadium, so it'll be one of those piped-in noise-type situations uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the brand-new stadium that uh, Atlanta Falcons have there. I didn't realize this um, until I was doing some uh, research for today's show. The Panthers haven't won in Atlanta since December 28, 2014. Uh, I think people assume that, you know, they beat them that 2015 magical season. No, actually, mm -hmm. that 15-1, that and one, that one was a loss in Atlanta late in the year uh, after the Panthers had already clinched the division. Um, and literally Atlanta ruined what could have been a, a undefeated season um, that year. Atlanta wasn't very good, and they lost uh, down in the uh, down there. They've lost eight of their past ten games to the Atlanta Falcons. So this has been a really lopsided rivalry uh, over the past five or six years, really, um, which I didn't really expect. You know, having Cam Newton here and Ron Rivera and all that stuff, Atlanta's been kind of a thorn in the side for the Carolina Panthers. So – they do have that going for them going into this game that they uh, lead this series against the Panthers by a large amount. Um, one thing that I did not realize, too, going back to the Panthers in their secondary, they're only allowing 8.8 .8 pass yards per completion. That's the fewest in the NFL. So the, the secondary for the Panthers is really stepping up. Trey Boston, uh, Dante Jackson and those boys still got a little bit of an issue on the other side of Dante. Eli Apple uh, was taken off of IR. Uh, the cornerback that we signed that's been uh, – he was drafted by the Giants, and then he was with the Saints. We picked him up, but he hasn't played a down in a regular season game yet for us because of injury. Uh, they took him off. They can activate him at any time, I think, over the next uh, 30 days, if I'm not mistaken. So kind of mm -hmm. waiting to see what happens with him because Troy Pride Jr., the, the, the rookie that's starting opposite of uh, – uh, well, he was starting opposite of uh, Dante Jackson – Teams yeah. are picking on him. I, I, I've noticed that. Like when when teams get down the red zone, if Troy Pride Jr. is in there, they're they're going to him. Um, Rasheel Douglas Douglas has been a bright spot. This guy was on the street, and mm -hmm. you know <laughs> the Panthers bring him in. He starts five <laughs> days later, and he's been he's been great uh, in yeah. terms of what he's been doing back there. Considering the 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 short amount of time he's been with the team, um, I think it sets up for a game. I think people are thinking it's going to be a close like 28 to 27 type of game. Actually, I think it sets up as a uh, a statement game for the Panthers, potentially. Like if they go into Atlanta and do what they did the past two weeks on defense and offense and can convert red zone opportunities, I think the Panthers can actually beat this Atlanta team by a healthy amount and start to get on the national radar and things like that. I don't even know if I want that. Uh, I don't know if I want the national media talking about the Panthers. Like I, like you said earlier in this podcast, I don't, it's a young team. I don't want them gassed up to the point where they're like, ah, oh, we're really good. We're better. We're ahead of schedule. I don't want them thinking that way. I want them still hungry one week at a time. Uh, like you've mentioned numerous times on this podcast uh, and to get to week eight, and nine, and then assess, you know, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right. What are we doing wrong? What can we do to be better each week? 
And I feel like if they do what I think they're going to do this Sunday against Atlanta, come Monday, Tuesday, everyone's going to be talking about the Panthers as a surprise team and, uh, you know, look out for the Panthers and can they make a playoff run and all this other stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know it's going to happen. If they if they go into Atlanta and they win like 31 to 16 or something and Atlanta just implodes on themselves, which could happen. They've done it before this year. Yeah. Uh, if that happens, I'm a little concerned about what type of, uh, attention will be thrown towards Matt Rule and this Panther team because they haven't had to deal with it. They're a young squad. They haven't been together long enough to deal with success like that, and I want it to be gradual. I don't want it thrown at them at one time because I, I don't know. The, we still don't know exactly the makeup of this team. We've been sitting here for two weeks trying to figure out what what is the calling card for this team. Are they a, a ground-and-pound team? Are they an aerial threat? Are they a defensive-minded team? And there's sprinklings of all of that, really, on the Panthers, but they're still trying to figure out exactly what they are um, while they're winning these games. But smart Atlanta, team. Yeah, they're, they, they are a smart team. I will give you that. Yeah, yeah they, they are a smart team. Yeah, you don't have to be uh, – I know that's a tradition. Everybody like, are you a running team or you're a pass? They are a smart team. And when I say a smart team, I'm like, again, uh, my years playing, playing up in New England, we were a smart team. So mm-hmm. we didn't beat ourselves. We were a smart team. Uh, we were not that dominant as far as just – pounding the ball on offense we threw the ball we ran the ball we mixed up the coverages we kept the, our opposition unbalanced so that's a smart team and in this day and game you got to be smart so i think the panthers are building themselves up matt rule is building his team up yes they're gonna run the ball they're gonna throw the ball but they're gonna be a smart team and know when to run and when to pass if you got to run all day you're gonna run all day if it's a game where you got to pass all day you're gonna pass all day so they a smart team so yeah you know, i'm so glad you mentioned that because i I didn't want to say anything, but I, th- I had that thought watching them against Arizona. Not that they're, you know, a dynasty in the making or anything like that, but that everyone seemed to be doing their job, you know, like everyone was doing what they were supposed to be doing out there. And when every time I hear that phrase, I think of New England. That's kind of their thing, right? You know, do your job. If you do your job and the man beside you is doing their job and vice versa, then more often than not, you guys are going to probably win that football game by not beating yourself. And we saw yep. – both sides of that, you know, Carolina beat themselves against Tampa with the early turnovers, Teddy throwing the two yep. interceptions, the fumble, yep. they dug a hole. But if you take all that away, that first quarter, the Panthers outplayed Tampa Bay going yep. forward after that. They they yeah. really probably should have won that game without those turnovers yep. there, but they beat themselves. And then ever since that Tampa game, the Chargers and then last week against Arizona, the Panthers have limited mistakes. They didn't allow a sack last week. Um yep. They're giving Teddy time to throw. They're, mm-hmm. They've only allowed pressure on 16% of the dropbacks this entire season. Uh, they're just they're, – they've hit a groove, and they're not, they're not beating themselves. And like you just said, the teams that don't do that are going to win more often than not. Carolina stumbled on it early, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And like I said, I can't look forward. I I, I can't wait to, to this game, you know, in Atlanta. Um uh, Sunday and you want to pick uh, a winner? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going with Carolina. And I'm gonna go with Carolina. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> next um, uh, these four reasons here. I think in order for Carolina to win, and I don't know why you say, "Hey, you know," uh, uh, I call I call spade a spade. If I know a team, uh, even with ourselves, I dare you know when I was playing, I go into a season, a game, and I feel like, man, this is gonna be a tough one here, man. We're gonna have to play these boys. Yeah, I, I try to be a realistic person. You know, this is what we're working against. But uh, I think the Panthers, we should go in, come into Atlanta, um, which is my hometown. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, the Panthers should come in here and leave with a victory. And if they do these four things here, I think they got to stop the run. Uh, Atlanta's offense, they have Ridley. uh, Of course, they got Matt Ryan, and they got Julio Jones. But they're only as good as – the play action is. So if they can stop Gurley and stop their play action, I think that gives the Panthers a great opportunity. Uh, limit the penalties, just like we talked about. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot. You cannot give these guys an opportunity to get back into the game when you know uh, they're out of the game. Or if it's third down and you the defense has gotten off the field and then some stupid thing happened to get the offense a first down 
by penalty because we shot ourselves in the foot. Uh, take advantage of the big plays that the secondary, the defense is going to give you and get out and start hot just like they did against the Arizona Cardinals. And the last thing is you got to mix up the defenses, coverages, continue to do that. And this week, unlike last week, Kyler Murray, you had to make sure that you had the edge contained because if he bounced outside, he can extend the play. Well, this week, I'm not fearing that Matt Ryan is going to outrun somebody uh, and get on the edge. Now, he's capable, but he's more of a pocket passer, so push the pocket. I want to see more blitzing up the middle, get in his face, and knock him on the ground. So I think, you know, those four things there, if the Panthers do that, I don't think it's going to be, it'll be close. I, I think it'll – well, as I say, it won't be close. It, it's not going to be a blowout, but I think the Panthers can come away with at least a touchdown win. Comfortable, comfortable for sure. Uh, and I agree with all those points. And the only thing I'll add to that before we get out of here, the Falcons are only averaging 101 yards per game, per game on the ground. You know, I've been a stickler about stopping the run. This is an opportunity for the Panthers to keep a team under 100, under 100 yards rushing. We all know Todd Gurley's not the same guy he was three years ago um, with the Rams. But I will say this, the Falcons, they're the only team, if I'm not mistaken, nine of their 11 starters on offense are former first-round picks. So they they have talent on the offense, like up and down the board, the offensive line, the quarterback, the receivers, everybody. Like they all were top graded talent. So I'm not dismissing the Falcons. I know they've had some issues the past like four weeks, uh, but the, the, I, I respect them. I respect their talent for sure. <laughs> hey, the dead can always be risen. Now, though. I know, right? <laughs> That's what. Todd Taylor come out there had the biggest game he ever had. So let's not let's yep. keep it again. <laughs> of course, that'll be my luck too. When we come back on this next week, Todd Gurley will rush for 175 yards on the Panthers and three touchdowns, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping they'll be able to keep him under control. Um, again, the Falcons are only favored by one point, and they're at home uh, in this game. They are one in three versus the spread this year, so definitely keep track of that. We got to get out of here, man, but uh, yet a- another great episode here. You can find us on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, we are your number one source for Panther news, notes, analysis, everything you need. You can get it here at the Believe at Carolina Panthers podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Follow my man Tyrone at TyronePool38. Um, definitely get some stuff through the week from us as well as we uh, follow along with these Panthers, man. This this journey that they've got us going on, this roller coaster ride, and we'll see where we end up here. But Panthers, Falcons, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox this Sunday. I can't wait. Let's see what they can do. And, hey, if uh, depending on what happens with Tampa Bay and Chicago on Thursday night, Panthers might be number one in the division by the time we come back next week. So we'll uh we'll see we'll see what happens. Let's keep our fingers crossed. So Let's keep pounding. Keep pounding, keep pounding for sure. So from my man Tyrone Poole, I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.